Bridget, did you just see it once? Did you just like watch through it once and get the gist of it all? Yeah, yeah. I actually, I really liked it. Oh, um, good. I, I wanted to rewatch it, but <laughs> I just haven't had time. It's been crazy. <laughs> it's been a crazy week for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously craziest, most wonderful time of the year, but um, probably our last episode before the holiday uh before christmas if unless i can somehow convince some, somebody to hop on with me between now and then but yeah scheduling gets really difficult so there's a reason why most podcasts take time off around the holidays yeah we won't be here the week after christmas but i always have my computer <laughs> i'm gonna get my some family members in the studio here and uh record maybe a couple episodes at least one we're going to talk about Andor. That'd be awesome. Are they coming up to visit for the holidays? Yeah, I'm picking some people up at the airport on Monday. Um, yeah, it'll be super fun. That's going to be great. They can come see all the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah what's the temperature? <laughs> um, right now, it's like 30 degrees. It's not that cold. It's just very snowy right now. Um, yeah, we uh, we just had kind of a ice storm well it's not so bad it's just um it did fluctuate between snow and rain uh so not not the best of conditions yeah it was actually it's like cold and rainy today it's like 49 degrees which is very cold it's been very 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 cold here here. yeah it's just like (laughs) it's that weather where you don't want to leave your house so i'm happy i rewatched this because it kind of like it was like a bright spot of the day because it's so gloomy and foggy out around here. It's just yucky. Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, we it's live been, in Seattle. <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks since I've seen this. It's a little hazy. I, I recapped a little bit today, so I'm, I'm doing pretty well on, on my ability to. I mean, uh, Jody, you, you've got a limited amount of time with us, unfortunately, so we're going to move through this fairly quickly. Uh, and that's okay because it's disenchanted. It's a Disney straight to it's it's a straight to video off brand Disney knockoff of one of their uh, original pieces of media from the mid two thousands. Now, it, I I think this movie has probably suffered a little bit from you know franchise fatigue, but you know it does maybe. Uh, suffer from being a bit derivative as well i mean the original was a satire based on you know a lot of existing tropes uh frequently found throughout the disney library um and this you know even more so perhaps so i'm excited to hear your guys take on it but i i wasn't totally you know tuned out when i watched this i i mean i mentioned last time you know, Enchanted is a bona fide Disney classic. It was it was nice to have them sort of do a psychoanalysis of their own content in in that film, and then this um, is, is just a little bit more more of that. And and they certainly didn't do a ton of you know brand exploitation of the the original Enchanted because uh, you know Amy Adams prevented them from doing so probably wisely <laughs> um but anyways yeah uh jody i'll start off with you um how how did, how has this sat with you you said you enjoyed it more you know more watching it a second time today 
Yeah. So if anyone listened to or remembers our last chat about Enchanted, you know that that was a movie I really, really liked. I would have given it a 10 out of 10. And so coming into this one, Disenchanted a decade later, my hopes were really, really high. Um, The first time I watched it, I was disappointed. I felt like it was really lackluster. I didn't really find much humor in it. I didn't like the songs, but recently I rewatched it because I knew we were going to hop on and chat about it again today. And there were a lot more little moments that brought magic to me that made me change my tune a little bit. I think if we would have recorded this a week ago, two weeks ago, I probably would have been the big naysayer on it, but disenchanted It was good. It does bring together a really great cast, like we talked about when we talked about Enchanted. And I do think they did play up some of the strengths of the performers that they had, you know, with Adina Menzel finally getting a chance to sing. And, you know, the costumes were really fun. I still think the animation and the plot could have used some more work. But overall, I would give this one a you should watch it rating. Like, I think it's it's worth the watch. Totally. Yeah, Bridget, what do you think? So, <clears throat> so I, I was heeding Jody's warning from the Enchanted one because she was like, meh, didn't really like it. And I was like, hmm. So I was just trying to go in open-minded because with kind of like with Hocus Pocus 2, I went in with high expectations and I was not impressed uh, in comparison to the first one. Um, but I really liked the first Enchanted. And so I watched this one and I don't know, I just, I really... I just really, really liked it. It just felt like the same movie, which I feel like was like the disconnect with like Hocus Pocus one and two is that it didn't feel the same. I'm like, this doesn't feel like the same characters. They don't feel like they're even in like in the same like universe at this point. Um, and maybe it's because it was like such a drastic time leap. But um, I was like, this really does feel like the same movie. Um, I will say I wasn't as impressed with the songs. Like none of them stuck with me like they did the first one. Um, but yeah, I just really, I really, really liked it. I thought it was fun. Um, there were some good moments. There was like some good, like, you know, step mom, mom role with the kid. Um, and it was really interesting to like, I guess, see it from a perspective of like, and I, I don't know. And maybe I'm like, maybe it resonates because I am a mom. I don't know. But I'm like, yeah, like you have kids and you become a mom and then you're like, okay, like I'm not exciting anymore. Like I'm just doing like the everyday mom stuff. And so I was like, I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, this kind of resonates. I mean, I don't think I'm an evil mom, but, (laughs) but I could see like where she thought it would be like a fairy tale ending. And then it's kind of like, you know, the, I guess the hum and drum of everyday life. Yeah. Hum drum everyday life. Like the stuff that you have to do washing dishes every day, cleaning your house every day, dealing with the same problems every day. So I'm like, yeah, I could see like, you know, where someone would become disenchanted with the life that they chose. They kick it off with, you know, having them move to the suburbs, which I think is actually pretty a bad move. Like logically, if you think about them doing that, but they do kick it off right away with a really good line where um, her husband, um, not Edward, um, Robert, Robert is on the train. He's starting to have to commune back and forth for his job he has to um go on this train and the lady's like and you ride the train forever and ever and ever (laughs) and then you die and there are definitely times in adulthood where that hits you I would say for me today it was kind of a rainy day it was a dismal day I knew I just had to work and I had to vacuum and had to fold laundry and it was just sort of one of those days where it's like 
and over and over and over until you die. And so I think they did a good job tapping right into that. Um, if you haven't seen the movie, but I'll, obviously all three of us have, they move out to the suburbs and they start more of like, I guess, what does she want? More of a simple life, more of like a... She wants like it, that classic leave it to beaver, like suburbia type feel, I feel like. Yeah, this shares a certain billboard themed inciting incident with the uh, original film, which I thought was kind of funny. A nice little callback. She sees the billboard for it's it's Monroeville, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this new housing development uh, in the suburbs of New York City. Uh, so that uh, inspires her to, you know, take the next step in their journey as a couple. Uh, she and Robert, and she's just had a child. Um, so now they're able to go and, uh, I guess, inhabit their own little fairy tale kingdom in this new suburb uh, development called Monroeville, um, I guess, uh, where they meet a person who's probably like one of the descendants or the daughter of the original Monroe who founded Monroeville, because she's the, uh, this is um, uh, Malvina. Yeah, Malvina. Yeah. And she's kind of like, She's the head of the like parent teacher committee. She is like on the time council. She's sort of like the one who's running the show and her last name's Monroe. So I think you're right. She's sort of just seen as the queen bee of this town. And she kind of has a negative vibe, but that actress is one of my favorites. I I love Maya Rudolph. She is so great. (laughs) She's in Bridesmaids. She's in a bunch of movies. um, And she's this snooty head of a head of the town. And I think they did pick a perfect actress to bring in for that because she's not in the original, but everyone they brought in for these new characters, I thought were were really, really good. And Amy Adams and her kind of right, right from the get, they don't like bump heads, but Amy Adams like wants to be part of that because she wants to kind of be, you know, leading the charge too to make sure that um, her daughter is feeling part of, mm. part of the new community. Yeah, well... Again. Um, Giselle is so charismatic, so she'll stand out wherever she is. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like you know, she and Robert could have probably hacked it just fine in, in New York City. I didn't their apartment, uh, border Central Park, even so, like access to some at least decent greenery. But, uh, I don't know, I, I, I understand someone coming from Andalasia. Uh, just being a little too overwhelmed and being, being, uh, yeah, just dis, um, dissociated by all the noise and the buzz of modern living is probably something nobody ever really gets used to, even in, uh, our modern age where there are people who've grown up in that environment. I just think our DNA maybe is just, uh, averse to that level of stimulus. <laughs> uh, yeah, we visited yeah. New York for like a very brief stay last summer. And I was really excited about it because I feel like when you watch movies, that atmosphere, it seems like so lively and kind of like addicting. But in real life, I think you're right, Philip. It's It can be very overwhelming. So they might've thought, you know, by pulling Morgan out of that world and to like a smaller town, mm-hmm it would have given their nuclear family more of a chance to feel like really close knit or whatever. But also, can you imagine being like 15 years old and your parents saying, Hey, we're 
not living in New York City anymore. We're moving to Boomtown, USA or wherever, you know, pulling them out. So I do feel for Morgan. And one thing I wanted to say right off the bat is I really do like how they talk about, you know, mixing families. Because nowadays there's so many families where a biological mom and dad the kids, you know, I don't, a blended family, like that's very, very common now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where Giselle is trying to find her place in all of this and making this big decision for what she thinks is the betterment of the family. I don't know. I think that was a good conversation starter, maybe for some families watching, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, they end up out there and then they get a visit from King Edward and Queen Nancy, which I love because those, those are another two mm-hmm. set of actors that I really like. <laughs> yeah. Edina and, uh, uh, not Dempsey, Patrick Dempsey is Robert, and then uh, uh, Jason Marsden. Yeah, yeah. J- uh, no, James Marsden. Why do I always want to say Jason? <laughs> James yeah. Marsden. Um, yeah, and I, they, I mean, they utilized Idina Menzel's voice this time, so mm. she got a lot of songs. <laughs> She's been flexing those vocal cords out in Andalusia, a land where you sing every bit as much as you communicate through. Uh, speech, you know, standard speech. Uh, do you remember um, Robert and Giselle's daughter? Is that Sophia? Oh yeah, Sophia. Morgan. Right? That's that's the stepdaughter. That's Robert. Oh oh, the baby, the baby. baby. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I think it was Sophia or Sophie. Like like Sophia, Sophia the first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing here. She was played by twins, uh, Mila Jackson and Laura Jackson. <laughs> so that's how that usually goes with infant actors. I was gonna say it's our very next Mary Kate and Ashley if they're bringing in <laughs> twins. She gets well, to that's stay. Like, yeah, Disney princess. <laughs> well, that's like uh, so Morgan, the actress who played her, is not the one who played her originally. Rachel Covey was the original one. Oh, really? Which I, I, yeah, I looked. They, she looked a lot like her. I was like, they yeah, did a really I good job. Their noses were the same. Yeah, yeah, I'm they're surprised. very similar looking. Yeah, they're like three years apart in age in real life. Um, but I looked it up because I was like, why didn't they use her again? But apparently, she doesn't act anymore. She's oh. like a she does like screenwriting and like playwriting. Um, but she is in the movie. Mm-hmm. She apparently, when they're in the town, once it's the the fairy tale version of Monroeville, she mm-hmm. is like in the town. That's so kind of there. fun. I did not know that it wasn't the same actress coming in. I suppose sometimes if an actor or an actress doesn't want to, or maybe if they've aged out or just changed their look. I remember the show um, or the movie, Disney movie, Halloween Town. There's, yeah. three, there's three of them. And then the third, Marnie is not played by the original actress, but they did a really great job finding a performer who looked a lot like the original little girl. Cause I did not know that that was a different kid <laughs> yeah oh. they didn't uh marnie apparently they didn't ask her back for the last one and she was like i would have loved to do it but they didn't ask for me back so Sad. The, they uh, just replaced her <laughs> yeah this new i i uh unfortunately never got around to doing too much research on the you know lo- locations and the filming of the i shoot i feel like i did read something i don't know if they shot at their golden oaks ranch uh lot in southern california or if this was on the east coast somewhere uh but i mean you you lose a little bit i feel uh, you know departing from that classic new york city filming location uh from the original uh we only see it briefly at the start 
but so mm -hmm. did this feel like it maybe <laughs> lost a little production value moving away i mean new york city it's it's a character you see <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah it's like you don't even have to like you can you don't have to do anything it is new york exactly like scanning the skyline of new york city it already gives it like a big budget feeling i do think once they kind of settle into um M monroeville mm -hmm. it does feel it does feel like this was more of a budget conscious movie but you know the story kind of plods on when they get that wand and she starts to wish for it to be that perfect fairy tale to me, it starts becoming really fun again. So I sort of forget about the fact that maybe the the environment has downgraded from the first movie. Because I really do like when the town starts transforming into that fantasy um, kingdom. I think it's Mon yeah. Mon Monralasia or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was something like that. When that's why. Um, so they filmed in Ireland. Oh, yeah. that's where all yeah. that was filmed was in Ireland. And it makes sense because I remember thinking, especially once it was fairy tale, because you see more of the town. Mm -hmm. um, I was like, this really seems like, you know, like a little, you know, like Belle, a little provincial town. <laughs> like it really felt like that. And they do. They obviously do nods to Belle in her town when Morgan is singing. Um, and it so they did a nod to her in that. But I was like, oh, this seems like very like English or like something that would be not in the U.S. And I was right. <laughs> so. I was like, these little towns are so cute. It's like, they're like stuck in time almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's a cool location. I on that. So I did that, like the house. I was like, I want that house. It was pink I, and cute. I liked the house and I liked Robert believing that he was going to go off and like slay a dragon, slay a giant. <laughs> like I loved that characterization change for him because you know in the first movie even though he does sort of change with D Giselle and he opens up to the fairy tale world this movie I mean he got to be a brain he got to be yeah he got and to be Edward I, <laughs> I think he loved that I actually I know Philip hasn't met Bridget's husband before but I feel like your husband I don't know if I can say his name on here but yeah Godfrey and <laughs> would would love playing a character like that you know running off to find the next maybe not damsel to save but you know a sword to pull from the stone and oh, yes. I think he must have had a lot of fun getting to expand that character of Edward a little bit and I thought that was really cool and even Morgan likes the change in the beginning she's happy with the new life that they have um well I think that's because of the spell oh because she didn't true when they got there but more so when the wish starts changing yeah. their real world into a fairy tale, like they all kind of seem to embrace it from the get go. Um, so, so I liked seeing that part. I liked them morphing into that world. She, yeah. Morgan's adjustment would have been a little more immediate had Giselle not been such an obnoxious stepmother, you know, when, when they first moved, I mean, singing as she's walking towards the school or setting up the, the little bake sale outside the school. Talk about uh, cringe. Yeah. Well, I love an extra moment. Like, mm -hmm. I love being extra. <laughs> it's further down a bit in the movie where I feel like Giselle's real extraness starts coming out. One of the songs I really like is, I think it's called Batter, not yeah. Me a tt but dd like i'm badder than you i when, i kept thinking though of the other meaning you know like it, it just sounds like they're saying 
They're batter. talking about baking or something. <laughs> but when she gets to right before that song, you can tell that the spell is sort of making her switch sort of back and forth from like wicked to Giselle, wicked to Giselle. And then in that song, she gets to fully en- embrace being wicked. And I think of all the songs, that one is probably the most catchy to me. Bridget, I don't know if watching it once you feel the same way, but I I liked seeing her embrace the characteristics of a, a Disney villain, just the poses that she was doing, the way she was like making her eyes really big, the way she was reacting to things, and then sometimes almost like fighting herself on it. I thought that was really great. Oh, yeah, she definitely had like a Jekyll and Hyde moment, which I loved. I was like, I already love Amy Adams. Um, Cause of course Enchanted was my first thing with her. And then I've seen her in a million other things since then. And like to watch her literally like jump from Giselle to evil stepmother to Giselle. And she like, she would literally be having a conversation and just turn her head and be the wicked mother. And I was like, she's great. I love her. I want to be her. Like I she's awesome. <laughs> If you guys have ever had moments like that where you like subconsciously, like you'll have like an intrusive thought that might be like a little bit negative about yourself or people around you and you catch yourself in that thought and you're like, hey, that's not nice. Like you're telling your own self, like cool it or chill out. And so I thought I found it kind of relatable because I sometimes that'll happen to me that I'll think something that's not so pure or so kind. And I kind of have to self-regulate like, wait a minute, Jody, like a good person wouldn't think that or whatever. So it was cool seeing her so animated and out loud having that dialogue because I feel like sometimes within my own head, I do that, but never would I ever say it, you know, in front of people. I might look a little crazy. No, that that's me with gentle parenting. I'm like, we don't do that. And then I get hit and I'm like, we don't do that. It's not nice. (laughs) So I I feel you there because I'm like, some days I'm just like, okay, mad. I, like what did I, I, I used to say, especially when I was pregnant, I'd be like, all right, crazy mommy's going to come out. You got to calm down. Wow, you know, this movie's <laughs> really bringing to light some deep psychological you know, concepts. Um, really like, yeah, she, well, it almost seems as if like Giselle has her villain turn just because She's a stepmother. And of course, in a fairy tale, you can't have a good stepmother. Yeah, they're so always what, bad. <laughs> but I think that that seems like kind of a shallow read. I, I mean, you, you would hope the screenwriters put more thought into it than that. And I wonder if her dark turn has more to do with like sort of the selfish motivations behind the wish uh, at the start. Um, you know, she, she doesn't think the wish works initially. It, and it's in the form of this one song. Um, so you can just listen back to that song to kind of get a sense of what it is she's trying to do. But like, yeah, it's, I mean, she, I think the wand was intended as a gift for Sophia originally. And then she used mm-hmm. it to, you know, make her life into more of a fairy tale. And so I guess maybe because she's, you know, she's taken, taken the blue pill or whatever. She's, she's being pulled <laughs> down that direction. Um, and, and uh, it just has an even more severe effect once the enchantment begins to work. I don't know. Is that a good read? I think that's a, that's definitely a good take. Another thing is my husband kind of walked in during the portion where her evil personality is coming out 
And he thought not having much context to it, he thought she, she was jealous that she was no longer the little pretty princess anymore. Like now she's this Mm. older 40 year old mom and that she was turning evil because she wished that she was still the, like the ingenue, you know, still the, the pretty little girl, like hopping around and, and making wishes in the fields and stuff, which I set him straight, but I, I thought that was a good take too. I mean, she's no longer the girl from the first movie. She's now a mom. She's she, now she goes, part of the- She goes full wine mom in this movie. It, absolutely. Yeah. She, that evil personality. And I mean, I'm not a mom yet, but I'm sure Bridget could probably relate in a sense to that. It's like your identity does shift and maybe there's a part of you that not becomes evil, but thinks about like Bridget before motherhood. I don't know. I oh, yeah. don't know. Really 20, know that 21. Goes. Yeah. 21-year-old Bridget was like, I mean, I'm, I'm still fun. I'm cool. No, I'm you're so much um, fun. So not, yeah. <laughs> but no, but I mean, at 21, you know, you're so carefree and you can do whatever you want. You don't have a lot of responsibilities. And then once you are a parent, I mean, if she's like, you know, 40 in this movie, like you're already older too. So it's like, I can imagine like you're tired, you're overwhelmed. Um, and now she's also having like problems trying to get the oldest daughter to feel like comfortable where they are. And she's trying really hard, but like the daughter isn't really appreciative, which can, you know, be a real drag when your kids aren't appreciative of the things that you're doing for them. Um, so it's like, yeah, it's like you get overwhelmed with like being an adult and you're like, I don't want to be an adult. I want to be like the fun, carefree kid who is like hanging out with their friends and singing in the town. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I could definitely like, see how like that, that could be a villain arc. Absolutely. You, you would enlist that magic wand to maybe like give you a day or two, but yeah, I think, I think the script, the, especially now that I've watched it twice, it, it did grow on me in those senses of like having more compassion maybe for like Giselle as an, not an adult, but like as a mother and in her new role and just sort of how this all sort of plays into that. So this maybe has some parallels to, um, well, it's a movie that's about the after the happily ever after. And, and of course um, one seminal piece of fiction on that very subject is um, Shrek Forever After. <laughs> I know we make comparisons <laughs> to Shrek in in the first uh, Enchanted episode. Uh, have you have both of you seen that film, Shrek Four? Yes, oh, I yeah. have. The midlife crisis. Well, I mean, he he becomes a parent and has a midlife crisis. That's what happens, guys. If you have kids, midlife crisis. How, also how it involves <laughs> yeah. It also involves an alternate timeline. So another similarity there. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we get uh, uh, also that the batter song, kind of a neat, like, samba rhythm you get with that. It's a little more of a, a different kind of feel to uh, some of this um, music composed by Alan Menken and uh, Stephen Schwartz. I think Schwartz more on the lyrical side and Menken on the, uh, the, the uh, instrumental side. But... Uh, yeah, these are so some fun. I mean, we talked about it. Indina Menzel actually has a major singing role here as well. Um, yeah, Robert gets to sing too. He has yeah. a song. No, totally. Well, and that's something that Patrick Dempsey said of the first movie was that it was kind of like it kind of made him like kind of stir crazy. Was that he had to be like the one normal character who's like, "Why are you guys like this? You guys are being crazy." And so he said it was really hard to be like that. And, you know, a cast of people being 
fun and brilliant and crazy. And so he said like for this movie, it was like, yeah, I get to be, I get to be the prince. I get to be the fun one. He gets to be like that true fairy tale prince. And and same for Adina, because not long after Batter, she does, I don't know if you'd call it like a ballad, but she does Love Power, that song. Yeah, Love is Power. And it's not lyrically my favorite, but her vocals really do give me the chills no matter what she's singing. So this is an animated sequence in the actual film. Um, Morgan has, I think Morgan is in Andalasia with uh, Nancy and Edward, where she's kind of having her recreate her memories from this memory tree. And at first the song starts and I was like, man, this is just a, this is just a ripoff Frozen song. But then, (laughs) you know, Adina Menzel's voice has its own type of magic. It really does. When you listen to her sing and hold on to those notes, it doesn't really matter what, I I don't care what she's saying, I'm listening. So that was my second favorite. I kind of kept a list of the ones I liked and that was my second favorite one um, in the show. I don't know what you guys thought of it, but it, it definitely grew on me. I had the perhaps unfair critique in the last film that all of the songs just kind of felt like libretto. You know, it's like uh, Buddy the Elf and Elf, you know, he's, you know, being told that or he's being told that his dad expects him, are you going to sing a song or something? And then he's like, oh, okay, I'm singing. I'm singing. (laughs) And I'm in a store (laughs) and I'm singing. Elf is one of my favorite Christmas movies, so I could probably tell you every line of that. Yeah, this movie... (laughs) Yeah, songs like Batter and um, I mean, I, I felt like all the songs maybe took a, a step up for me here. Maybe I was just a little bit more primed for it. But yet and um, Dax Shepard, husband of Kristen Bell, put it nicely once when he said watching uh, Idina Menzel musical numbers, it's like watching a Bruce Lee fight scene. You know, you just can't oh. help but be mesmerized, you know. That's that's yeah. a, that's an interesting <clears throat> comparison, but I think that's a very true <laughs> comparison. I mean, Philip, you have heard Adina Menzel perform live for, before, right? Yeah. Do you feel like you were watching a Bruce Lee fight, or was oh, it maybe even better? <laughs> absolutely. Um, and she's got that new documentary out on Disney Plus. I and I'm waiting to find just a good time to sit down and kind of you know immerse myself, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that. I. I'm curious, uh, like there was a world tour, I think 16 locations or something, but this is her um, Madison Square Garden show. Uh, so I I don't really know when this tour occurred. I I guess it just totally escaped my radar, but <laughs> yeah. Maybe it happened in Andalasia. Probably weren't any shows near me. I don't know. I did see her live in Minneapolis and in Hollywood. Um, this was, I think, shortly. This was like the next thing she did after If Then, uh, and then and then If Then went on its uh, musical tour, uh, and then I saw her in uh, in L.A. after having seen If Then in New York on Broadway. So, yeah, I've I've seen her live quite a bit. And absolutely, I have, I, I'm jealous because, uh, I, of course, my first introduction to Idina Menzel was Wicked. So hmm. I'm like, I've never see seen you. Wicked live. Yeah, I, yeah, I've I've watched like, you know, videos of it. But lucky for all of us, like there's yeah. a feature <laughs> film is coming. So we'll we'll all get oh, yeah. to see Wicked with um, Ariana Grande. Mm-hmm. And oh, I don't man. remember the other person. 
Uh, is uh, this official? It's official. Yeah, yeah it's been oh. passed. They're actually filming now. Mm -hmm. Ariana's, uh, she's Glinda. Glinda. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is Cynthia Erlbo. Okay. She is so that's the, the blue fairy from Pinocchio, Cynthia Erivo. And according yeah. to like online, a lot of people were super excited that she got selected for this role. So if the internet has anything, you know, any sway, it, it sounds like a really good matchup for this. Um, oh. So we'll be covering the guys, that in a couple of years. Yeah. One of the guys from Bridgerton, isn't it? Oh, yes. He's Fierro. He's, so that's gonna yeah. Be, and it's going to be in two parts. So we have a lot to look forward to with that. Jeff Goldblum is going to be the Wizard of Oz. Oh, my God. I am Whoa. so excited now. Awesome. I did not know that. a part of me that wishes <laughs> the original cast, you know, could be filmed similar to like what they did with Hamilton when they brought that to Disney Plus. But um, I understand why they have to recast it with more age appropriate actors. And, you know, here's how it works. Here's how that could it could be like a, a fun new multimedia experiment where of course they'll do their official Hollywood live action version with the new cast, but um, perhaps, you know, as sort of a bonus, uh, a piece of bonus material, um, they could do an all new AI generated uh, animated version of the original cast recording of Wicked. And we can only that. hope. <laughs> <laughs> but for now we're gonna have to settle for love power. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get yeah. song, yeah. No, I liked it, but so Amy Adams, so in the first movie, she did, which she was, you know, new, she was newer on the scene. She did like, cause she had a musical theater background. Um, and so she did like some intense training so that she could hit Giselle's notes. Why did she have, um, she had a voice person, a voice, additional singing voice over person for this movie. And I was like, wait, who's she's that? like, it's Elsie Powell. Uh, was the additional singing voice for Giselle. And so I was like, huh, I don't know what she sang for her. I couldn't quite find that information. But yeah, she had additional singing voices. Um, and I was like, maybe her voice just isn't what it was, you know, 10 years ago. Like, just maybe. not her, like, main thing anymore. Sometimes I wonder when people reach a certain level of, you know, busyness and fame with their schedules, there might be times where when they need to edit in certain notes, you know, maybe like cleaning up the recordings. It's more affordable to have someone else in the studio making the backtrack. I don't, I don't know. It might, it might have something to do with that. Okay. I mean, probably. Cause I, I used to do, um, stand in work for movies oh, and really? I actually did. Yeah. It, some of the stuff that came here locally. Um, I was a body double for a car chase scene. And they couldn't get the actress out here. So they just put me in all the garb with the wig and everything because you weren't going to see me per se. You weren't going to see my face. It was just us getting in the car, walking away from the door and driving away. And so it was like much cheaper to hire someone here that was like similar size than bringing the actress all, all the way back and like disrupting her whole schedule. Huh. That's, a, the, that's interesting. Okay. Do you have that name handy again? The, the voice double? Elsie Powell. So L, like letter L, letter C, Powell. Okay. And also Amy Adams wore a wig in this movie. Really? Yeah. 
I mean, I guess that doesn't surprise me because I mean, she even references her own hairdos. She's like, my shirt is not my shirt, but higher. my dress is lower <laughs> and my hair is higher. And so, I mean, Bridget and I know how much a wig can do, um, a good wig, especially. Oh so, yeah. You so know, that, there's that very nice. surprise me that much. Um, and no, no shade. Um, I mean, Elsie Powell, she's not listed in the cash. She's under the music department in the credits, but she's mm-hmm. credited. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I found it. I was like looking up like, you know, little like fun facts. I like to know, I like to know the fun facts of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it was like, oh, she had, she wore a wig, which it makes sense. Cause it's like, if you have these more intricate hairdos and stuff, it makes sense to already have it styled and then just plop it on you versus like sitting in there for hours and then like it possibly falling or getting messed up. So I it makes sense. I, I can see why she probably did that. Cause I assume she probably had, if not a wig, hair pieces added to her hair in the first one. I couldn't find any information on that though. I looked it up. This is, um, so 2007, 13 years ago. Um, no, 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 15, 15 years ago. <laughs> and uh, so I don't think the time gap is meant to be that large. I mean, Morgan is, is still, a, she's like 18 in this. Uh, but she was like eight so, or something in the first one, right? It was maybe like a 10 year jump film to film yeah. within the story. But uh, in real life, it's 15. So, I mean, obviously nothing, um, you know, beyond you know, there's nothing unrealistic about, you know, how they appeared or anything. Uh, Dempsey. I like that. Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, no, go ahead. No. Yeah. Well, I like that they didn't de-age them. Like, I like that they're portraying people of a certain age and they look like they should. Like, yeah, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're actors and actresses. So yeah, they look better than some people at that age, but they still look like you look like an adult. You didn't try to make them like 20. I like that a lot too. And I read a review when I thought we were going to talk about this last week, written by probably someone around our age, saying that they like seeing that time marches on for characters that they love because it kind of, it's just like reassuring and reaffirming that like, even at 30, you can have these miserable misadventures or these like happily ever afters or 40 or 50 or whatever, you know, you can have wrinkles on your face and still be the lead I don't know yeah I read a couple people writing about that that they're happy they didn't try to make them appear or recast them to be younger than they were they kind of let it progress naturally yeah because yeah, I mean and because nowadays with the CGI they can de-age you like pretty easily and so I was glad to see like oh they have wrinkles because they're normal people and like oh Robert is now really really gray because he's older I mean hey I have like three three gray hairs that I have found since I turned 30. Godfrey, I mean, he's younger than me and he has gray hair everywhere. So he's a silver <laughs> fox. That's what they call like, when men get gray hairs. They're like, oh, they're a silver fox. When women get silver hairs, it's like, okay, not. Like, All right, cut your hair before you look like a witch. <laughs> exactly. You're a wicked stepmother. I but, know. <laughs> but um, women to can go be in, silver foxes, yeah. To go into the casting a little bit more, the other girl I really liked, she is from Glee, um, and she plays oh. one of like the wicked. She plays She's one of R- Ruby, I think. Yeah, yes. minion. There's mm-hmm. Rosalind and Ruby, and they're the ones who try to like steal the wand back. They're kind of the two 
like servants of Melvina mm-hmm. and Ruby. She's like I said, she's from Glee, but she has those big deer eyes. She's just so cute. And again, when they came on screen, I was like, this cast is so, so good. And I think when they went to go steal it, the scroll kind of tells them it can only be used for people from Andalasia. Mm. Um, and what happens next? But she, Giselle realizes that she needs the wand to fix it within 24 hours or whatever. But mm. I really liked Ruby. I really liked her little scenes in there, even though it wasn't a ton of like screen time. I, I thought that was a great choice. Yeah, little henchman. Of course. Uh, oh yeah, the it, other one was uh, yeah, Vet Nicole Brown. I see. You, sorry, Ready, I beat you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. But she's been in a ton of stuff too. She's like in Community, Drake and Josh. Um, she's been. She apparently was in Lady of the Tramp, which I did not watch, but apparently she. Was I like, did. I liked it. Okay. I didn't. I, I don't know the live action movies. I'm always very. I don't know. Wary Skeptical. of. Yeah. Yeah. So some yeah. of this, yes, some of the straight to Disney Plus stuff, you think, you, you know, I understand why this wasn't given a theatrical run. This, I, I'm 100% convinced they should have released the theaters, especially when you had Strange World just taking a nosedive at, at, <laughs> in the box office. Um, this would have actually made money, I think. Um, I do too. Like, I feel like, I didn't realize that Enchanted was a movie that was in the movie theater because I don't know how I ended up watching it, but it wasn't at the movie theater. And I loved it, but I didn't know a ton of people who watched it. But I know a ton of people who watched Disenchanted, especially because it was on Disney Plus. So I'm like, I feel like they really could have, they could have capitalized on that and had it in a movie theater. Like I, I would have seen it because I love Enchanted. That's what I so. think as well. I think people would have, even if it had received off reviews, at its initial like box office release like there's so many people who kind of just want an excuse to like take the family out even though we're like we may or may not be entering a recession there is something so nice about escaping to the movie theater for a matinee or for whatever I think this is one where I probably would have tried to see it in theaters I did go see Strange World and I really 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 liked it like 10 out of 10 liked it (laughs) Um, but I would have gone to this one as well this i mean just think about the greatest showman and that that kind of had a a slow start but it just went on to totally dominate the holiday season whatever year that came out i uh, just was a super surprise and and mostly owing to like the music and people like yeah people love going to movie theater and sing along with the music and it's just catchy and it's a good time so this would have done something similar um, I mean, even like that new Netflix movie, Glass Onion, had a limited theatrical run and it just killed at the box office. So yeah, a bit of a, uh, yeah misjudgment too, uh, taking that out of the theaters like they did. Well, and it's always nice when there are movies that you can take the whole family to. Because a lot of time, like there are some times where I'm like, like we really want to go see Black Panther. And as much as I'd love to take the kids to see it, I don't think they'd sit through it. So I'm like, it's, we have to find a babysitter if we want to go see it. So it's like really nice to have a movie that you could take everyone to. And like, I mean, my youngest probably wouldn't care, but I know that my oldest would like the movie and would sit through it. So I'm like, it'd be really nice to like have more movies like that, that aren't like specifically children movies. Hmm. It's like one that we can both enjoy. I saw Strange World. Um, we'll probably get around to that once it's available on Disney Plus, I would imagine. Um, I'm, I'm not in too big of a rush. It would be kind of nice to uh, just give that a once over before, you know, a, re- a refresh before doing the episode. 
Um, and who knows, you know, how scheduling will be. So you'll probably uh, hear more from us on that in January. I'm excited to talk about that as well. Um, oh, I wanted to add a fun nod. So at the end, when they're having like their little fight scene and everyone's dying and whatever, spoilers. Um, <laughs> Wait, uh, everyone's dying? No, they're not. They're not. And Delay's just losing. It's yeah, okay. it's when, <laughs> yeah, like Giselle is possibly dying. Um, oh, yeah. When the, when the spell is being <laughs> broken. Yeah. Um, so at that scene, it was um, a nod to Cinderella. So Morgan, Cinderella, Giselle in the colors of Lady Tremaine. I think Rob, no. The, the son, I can't remember his name, Tyson, um, the one that was Mar, whatever, Malvina's son. Um, he was dressed like the prince. Oh, yeah, and then he really was. The, yeah. And then the sidekicks, they were dressed as um, Anastasia and Drizella. That was like their, the nod, the colors were the, uh, were the stepsisters. So it was I... a nod to Cinderella. I noticed the wicked stepsisters or the silly stepsisters. And now that you're saying that out loud, I did notice that as well. And you know, there were a few like other little nods throughout the movie and I should have jotted them down as I watched. But the second time I watched it, more little things stood out to me. And we have the three fairies, Mm -hmm, the three fairies, um, even in the dress shop, when they're looking at dresses for Morgan for the, for the ball itself. Um, But what did you guys think? I know I'm not trying to like speed us along. I just know I have to hop off. No, I, what did I you guys think about mind. what did you guys think about how it sort of ends and like no one remembers anything and it was like just a dream? I usually hate endings like that. So I was just wondering what you guys thought about them being like, oh, it was just a dream and only two people remember. I liked it just because like it makes because the power is from Andalasia, it makes sense that the only people who actually know what was happening were the people who have like the Andalasia blood or it's not really blood, but you know what I mean? Um, have like that link to Andalasia. Um, but obviously it was like enough that it like affected them. Cause you know, like Malvina, she is like, Oh, Hey, you know what? I was a bit of a jerk. Maybe we like, you can do stuff and I don't have to be the only person in town. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. And I mean, I honestly, I guess it doesn't really matter if everyone else remembered it because the real like the people who needed the lessons are the ones who remember it the most. I just wish there would have been like some type of with I'm thinking specifically when Giselle kind of like apologizes to Malvina for like stepping over her plans. And then Malvina's like, yeah, you can join the council. I wish there would have been like a little bit like of a wink and a nod, like where Malvina kind of remembers <laughs> this like dream as well I like that I like when it's like sure like life is gonna go on as normal in a real world but like wink wink like (laughs) I was there too I wish they would have thrown that in but that would probably be my little critique for the ending for them yeah I don't know Maya Rudolph her her character I if she has you know who knows what kind of fantasy elements might also exist alongside of the portal to Andalasia and things like that. Um, and, you know, yeah, it wasn't quite the, you know, this um, Monralasia is an alternate timeline that suddenly gets, you know, Thanos snapped out of existence <laughs> and all the residents of that alternate timeline are now obliterated. It was more just, yeah, it was like more like a dream sort of scenario. And the only <laughs> now they're all scarred. <laughs> they're all scarred from living in a fairy tale. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, hopefully yeah and and that would probably it 
presumably affected the whole entire world too and and that was why all the magic was being drained from andalasia which is such a far-reaching spell yeah the scroll had said that he's like that's gonna take a lot of magic <laughs> Uh, oh, and then they go over there and they're like, it's all gone. <laughs> Alan Kubik, by the way, doing a great, he kind of does his little um, Ed Wynn sort of voice. Uh, you know, he was the voice of King Candy from Wreck of Ralph. You oh, a guy he sounds familiar. Hey, I didn't realize that was Alan Tudyk. He's in everything. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> um, well, you know who I wish they would have brought back um, from the original? Nathaniel. Because at the end of Enchanted, oh, he goes on to like write a book. And I'm like, oh, I wish he would have like made like a little pop. Because like he's the actor still alive. I'm like, where where were you, Nathaniel? What are you doing with your life? I need to know. There, <laughs> what did there he should do? Be, yeah, there should be a part three. And they should bring back Susan Sarandon if she's willing to do it as well. So I don't know. Well, I thought she was dead. Did she not die? How, was it I not mean, clear? She I don't like remember. Had a Disney villain death of falling to uh, into an abyss kind of thing. How they, are all, they all the good falling? ones? Yeah. Gaston, the evil queen. Yeah. Oh yeah, Tangled. <laughs> Tangled. She disappears in her cloak. Yeah. Everyone's they falling all, do it. all the time. Yeah. Man, they love a trope. They do. <laughs> and this one was full of them. And and even though it was less nods to you know other disney things they do say things like one that caught my ear was oh you know a story can only have one villain except for pets and minions did you hear that i, I love how pip turned into a cat i was like yes <laughs> <laughs> i like that like she wasn't the only one affected and he was like oh he also gets to be evil yeah pip uh replacing the inimitable um julie andrews as the uh, narrator of disenchanted yeah i thought that was a, a fun little wraparound yeah i thought it, i thought it was good i thought it was great would you guys is this one you'd feel like you could recommend i mean philip's saying you sh it should have been in theaters bridget sounds like you liked it and i i really liked it on my second try too so I'm open to a seat it grew on you yeah it grew <laughs> it grew on me no, I would definitely be like open to them doing another one. Like, I don't know, have Morgan go to Andalasia and make an adventure. Like I, I would do, I'd be down for anything really. <laughs> I think there's so many people out there who just love that classic fairy tale vibe, but like also a mix in of reality, just especially us nineties kids and late eighties kids where they could definitely make a third. And even if people quote unquote, didn't like it, they'd be watching it because I mean, the people who didn't like Disenchanted, they were still tuning in and watching it and leaving reviews about it. It's not something that's just all completely ignored. So I, I'm happy we got to talk about it. I have to hop off, but you guys can, can you continue this conversation? I just want to say I'd give it an eight out of 10. All right. Yeah, we'll probably wrap up, but um, yeah, give us your, uh, your social media, anything like that, if you, if you like, Jody. Um, on social media right now, I'm really just using TikTok and I post a bunch of princess stuff, um, maybe a little less so now that we're entering the holiday season, but it's J-O-D-I-P-O-L-A-S-K-Y 47. And we just do the, the TikTok things. And thanks for having me. And I hope I'll be back on again soon. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jody. Bye, Jody. All right. Have a good one. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I intro the, the show, you know, this is I don't the think podcast. So. <laughs> that's fine. I, and, uh, you know, it's right there in the app, uh, con the podcast conversations about animation, 
I'm your host, Philip Elke, um, and I'm up here in the great north, Minnesota, and uh, thank you, Bridget, for joining me from a great state of Georgia, Jody as well, coming in from Georgia. Um, yeah, it, we'll get some final thoughts from you. Did you happen to check out, so I was, I, I wish I would have been able to scrub through and catch all of these, but like each time the clock chimed when um, Giselle was undergoing her transformation, she would like say a new word. It was sort of like a trait of an evil stepmother, uh, envy or cruelty or something. Uh, did you yeah. catch that? I did because one of my favorite lines from her when she's like flipping back and forth was I'm not vain. I just look good in everything. And <laughs> she said that. And I was like, yeah. what a good villain line. I love that. <laughs> but I think like vanity vain, uh, that was like one of her like yeah, little vanity, lines that stuck cruelty. out to me. Yeah. Um, and, and I did find a list there was, I linked to it on our chat. Um, the characteristics of the evil stepmother, it was like, a a lecture or a, a slideshow that someone had posted it's like a, a college, um, basically, a, a what do you call that a presentation? Yeah. Um, and uh, this student or slash teacher, Alex Lee, uh, gave these characteristics that I thought were, uh, you know, appropriate for the, the description of an evil stepmother, wicked stepmother. Cruel, abusive, manipulative, greedy, terrifying, and envious. So, yeah, I mean it's fitting, and yeah. I, I like. I don't know. She was just she was such a good villain. I'm like, I need Amy Adams to be villains more often. <laughs> um, but yeah, every time she'd like switch back, she's like, Oh no, oh no, I cut up her dress. Oh no, my hair's high. Oh no. <laughs> It was like watching her. I think that's like the same thing as you get older and you start like saying stuff that your parents did, and you're like, "Oh no, I'm becoming my mom." I, that's what it felt like almost. <laughs> she was like, "Oh no, I'm becoming the evil stepmother." I'm like, "Yeah, I have that sometimes." I say something, I'm like, "Yeah, I say something, and I'm like, oh, that was my mom." <laughs> and my mother's not evil, but still, it's like weird to see you like slowly become your parents. Totally, totally. Yeah, progressive can't help you from becoming your parents, but they can uh, save you money on car insurance. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love those commercials too. <laughs> well, that's uh, what I always tell my husband because I'm like, he like, he'll, I don't know, he'll be wearing like socks up to his knees and like complaining about, I don't know, the kids being loud. And I'm like, gosh, what are you, 60? Like, get off my lawn, kids. <laughs> does he have a, a native English accent? So it's actually like a weird hybrid um, because he grew up, his parents are from England. Like his mother still has like the thickest British accent ever. Um, she's basically the queen. <laughs> I guess she could be the queen now. Uh, but <laughs> so he grew up like in Virginia, but like in this like insulated little bubble of England. Okay. So he said when he went to school, he had a very English accent and then he kind of got picked on. So he dialed it back. So he has like a weird like blanket American accent that you can't quite place but then occasionally like he says things like trolley and crisps and <laughs> jumpers and football and I'm like he just says he says bloody he says things like that and I'm like what especially if he's talked to his mom though I can tell if he's talked to his mom because he's very British <laughs> yeah I mean they have things like that and different they'll have kind of um charter schools you know overseas like you can if there's a high enough concentration of americans in one place 
almost like being on a military base or something. You can go to the you know American school and have the traditional K through 12 experience. Um, but I don't, I don't know if there's something similar like that for British people who live here in, in the U.S., but he, did he go to a regular American high school and everything? Yeah, yeah, he went to a regular school. He did, however, <clears throat> so his parents would go back for about a month every year, okay. and so he started school at four in the U.K., hmm. and when he came back, because you're not allowed to start kindergarten at four in most of the U.S., hmm. so he had to test he could already read and everything so he had to test into kindergarten so he actually graduated at like barely 17. Um, So yeah he was a a bit ahead (laughs) in the youngest one Um, but no I don't think that they have anything like that here because like most people are you know Native American English people I guess yeah Um, it's kind of for the uh, most part wherever you go unless you live like in one of those places where it's like there's like a small secular group of people like you hear about like little Italy and like places like that in New York Um, so you kind of like get raised around the same kind of people that talk like you so yeah he said it was very weird uh but he's embraced it more as he's gotten older because he was like why do I care if someone's going to judge me for having like a weird English accent I don't care (laughs) yeah I know some of the stuff from being a religious listener to the podcast Blank Check with Griffin and David. And I bring that up because uh, the actor Griffin Newman's one of the co-hosts, uh, you know, the, uh, obviously Griffin of the two <laughs> friends that <laughs> make up the podcast. But um, uh, he plays Pip in this movie. He's actually um, taking over the role from a different actor who played Pip in the original um, but then his, his, they're both American, but, uh, David grew up in the UK at least spent a large part of his childhood there. And he said there was a school that was more targeted towards Americans living in the UK. Um, but he, his parents chose to, to just have him go to regular British schools, um, so that's that's where I kind of got introduced to the concept. I, I don't think they weren't like military or anything. So it wasn't uh, like a, you know, he wasn't a, a military brat or something being raised on a base, but he, he just happened to uh, get the whole British experience despite <laughs> now, you know, doesn't have an accent or anything, you know. Well, and I feel like it's pretty easy. Like if you work to get rid of an accent, like it's fairly easy to do. Cause I, so I've obviously I'm raised in the very South of Georgia. Mm. Um, <laughs> and so my dad is from here and he is very Southern and my mother is not, she's from Illinois. Mm. And so, I mean, she's obviously Southern more Southern now. Cause she's been here for 40 years, probably maybe 30 something years. Mm. Um, and so when I was in high school, I wanted to do theater and I, I was like, Ooh, I had to do a show in, where it was set in New York. And I was like, I don't want to sound like a redneck. (laughs) So (laughs) I worked really hard to get rid of my Southern accent. So it, like, I always get that, like, oh, you have like a accent. I can't place. You just sound like American. Um, But when I get angry, it comes out. I get very country. That's for sure. Um, (laughs) It's always really funny because of course my daughter, her accent isn't very Southern either. And probably because she's in this like weird weird mix of a house now with all these accents being thrown at her. Um, but every now and then 
she'll be like, oh yeah, you see that dog? And my <laughs> husband's like, has a heart attack. He's like, oh no, she's a redneck. <laughs> oh, I, I, it's so I funny. Mean, you gotta love the buttery, smooth Southern accent once it, when it comes out, when you hear it from time to time. Um, I don't, you get I, that gone with the wind experience. <laughs> I, yeah, I love dialects and, you know, learning about accents and, and voice, uh, voiceover, things like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm from Minnesota. So, um, I don't know. I, I enjoy the moments when my sort of Minnesotaness comes through a little bit, but for the most part, I've tried to sort of train myself to be non-region specific in my dialect. Um, I don't so know, you I, don't have, you can't really tell until you say something like Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. Let's see, let's see if I can lean into it a little bit. I mean, I should be able to because I I try to practice my uh, voice acting here and then. Uh, now, and then. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> well, how do you how do you say bag? Bag, bag, bag. So that so when Jody does her videos, um, doing like her princess box videos, mm. it's always so funny because, like, she kind of has like a normal accent, and she was like, and then we have this bag. And I was like, oh my goodness, there it is. <laughs> it's like certain words stick yeah. out. Yeah. Um, I used to be sort of insistent about calling, uh, you know, soft drinks uh, pop, um, but I don't know, soda. Soda. I, I feel like soda is like a blanket term now that people use. And of course, the way I said soda is sort of a, a little Midwestern. Um, and, and of course I, I drink tons. I drink like six a day. I'm up to like six or seven a day now of sparkling water. I drink the polar, uh, no, you know, they're, they're just flavors, sparkling water, no sweetener. Um, and that's, I mean, I, I would call that technically soda, but I, I wouldn't call it pop. Cause that has more of like a sugary connotation for me. Um, yeah. I mean, I think anything that's like carbonated, cause I think a, like a common misconception with the South is that everyone calls soda coke mm. i don't know anyone who calls sprite coke no one does that here sure. at least not that i've met um but like most people refer to it as like soda like it's a carbonated beverage mm -hmm. it's a soda um but yeah because i have friends who drink like the lacroix La <laughs> yeah well it's, it's named after a place in wisconsin uh, oh, and, really? and this the city is i believe lacroix or um, if it, it might be a river, LaCroix, one of those two, but, but yeah, it's, it's, they don't endeavor to adopt the pr French pronunciation for the actual, uh, locale after which the yeah. drink is named. So it's fine to just call it LaCroix. I know. I always take on my friend cause she, she's like, I have to drink LaCroix and I'm like, oh yes, I have my slightly lemon tasting LaCroix. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I say, I, I'm not a carbonated water girl. I, I can't get behind it. I, it's spicy water. I don't like it. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. I, I never used to like it, but uh, now I, I don't know. Is I, it like an acquired taste? Do you like drink it enough that you like it kind of thing? Kind of. And I kind of got hooked on it a little bit. I mean, I, I kind of went from, because, you know, drinking pop is just so abrasive, you know, soda, it's, um, you know, the, the actual sugar and stuff. I could never get into diet, though. It's just too chemically. Um, so trying to seek out healthier options. I, I did kombucha for a while. I was drinking maybe one or two kombuchas a day. Um, but then I just kind of switched over to uh, like Spindrift. Um, and that has a little more flavor. 
there there are a couple grams of you know carbohydrates in a spindrift because it's not totally void of um you know sugar from you know sweetener or whatever i think it's, it's just the remnants of whatever fruit juice is used to generate the flavor uh but then i i switched over to just the you know the stuff that doesn't have any you know juice remaining and uh mostly because i i just like the um the carbonation texture of this polar stuff that i drink now um i like i like the really fizzy stuff um polar is maybe not the fizziest you can go that to me it's like if you get topo chico in like a glass bottle that's really intense which i like um but this uh, polar for me is just like a good happy medium yeah. You just need a little bit of the fizzy, which honestly, I feel like that's what it is. Like mm-hmm. for like soda, like the draw for soda for me is like that. Just like, you know, the little tickly carbonated bits that I like. Cause I, I mean, I drink, I, I do, I drink Coke zero. That is like, I used to drink Coke, but it is so like sugar laden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only try to, I stick to like, I do like one a day for my little caffeine hit, but I do like it. It's like the nice, like refreshing little carbonated busyness it's fun it wakes up the palate <laughs> yeah. and there's there a lot of good flavors too with polar and you know a lot of similar you know lacroix is pretty similar i don't think it's quite as carbony so i uh i prefer you know the you know other brands but um there's like aha i think that's from coke now and then mm-hmm. all kinds of yeah um there's also bubbly, celsius bubbly water from uh, Pe- pepsi yeah celsius okay yeah, I see that a lot. I know a lot of people who are like drinking that. It's like the hot thing right now, at least around here. Liquid Death yeah. has a, I don't know if it's all carbonated, but yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> Liquid Death. It looks like a tall boy, you know, that's like a uh, standard can is 12 ounces, but it's like a tall, was it 16 ounce or 20 ounce beer can? Um, and, and like the font of the logo, it's, is like the Miller light, you know, serif font and look in liquid death. So look, if you're drinking it in the car, yeah. it looks like you're holding a, just a big beer can. Um, oh no, that's great. No, I have not heard of this. Yeah. Liquid. I wonder if it's around here. It's just water. It's, it's just, yeah, maybe, cool. maybe. Maybe has it made it around here? Cause I hadn't heard of that one, but that yeah. is interesting. I'll have to, cause I'm, my thing with like the carbonated waters is that there's not enough flavor to me. Mm-hmm. It tastes too much like spicy water to me. Yeah. So I'm like, like I would much prefer just like a water with like lemon in it, like just putting actual lemon in it. Sure. So I'm like, maybe my, maybe I just need to find one that's more flavored because I like carbonation. Mm-hmm. I feel like it'd be fine. Yeah. Um, Let's see. I, I, uh, let's see for a correction from last time. I think I said Moana was 14. She's actually 16. <laughs> so uh, that that's better, better, <laughs> a better. bit older. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of these days, you know, we, we gotta, I gotta do my waifu wish list, uh, ranking. <laughs> uh, I know we have to do, we have to, we have to update the ranking to know with all the new people who, yeah, shocking as it may seem, I'm, I'm one of the uh, unicorns who's a, a a straight male fan of Idina Menzel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, Idina Menzel is awesome. I mean, my husband likes Idina Menzel. He's also a straight male, so <laughs> it's, it's the it's the Bruce Lee factor, like like Dax Shepard said. So um, no, I yeah. definitely get that. Anytime I hear her sing, I'm just like, you could do anything. 
You can do whatever you want. She's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and her, and her songs kind of make you feel like you could do anything too. Yeah, like it, every song she sings, it could even be a sad song. And I'm like, I'm empowered. Yeah. I'm going to go take the world by storm. <laughs> Um, yeah who's my ultimate uh waifu well i mean elsa of course <laughs> no I don't know. see I'm, I'm so partial to anna but i i don't know i like the quirky chaotic ones i just love a cute neurotic girl mm-hmm. like they're like i would say it turn in terms of doing like being the princesses i mean bell is my go-to but i love her but for different reasons but it's usually ariel rapunzel and anna they're all kind of the same they're all kind of neurotic and fun. And I love that about them. They're, they're, they're like my, my favorite ones to, to play. Elsa, I do like Elsa, but she's very stoic. I mean, after the bad guys, uh, Governor uh, F- Foxington, whatever, she's... Uh, <laughs> she's Does a, she get added yeah. to the list? <laughs> <laughs> oh, You're like, I saw her drop down on that ninja gear. Giving yeah. Elsa a run for her money. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say Elsa has some of the best outfits. Like that ice dress. Chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, I and of course, yeah, she the the fifth spirit uh, form too. You know, she doesn't have the braid, and yeah, it's ooh, yes. <laughs> um, I know. I was so hoping Anna was going to get powers, and they didn't give her powers. And I was like, dang. Oh well, next time. <laughs> the powers of uh, her strength of character. <laughs> yeah, that's she. You know what she. She just keeps going. She keeps trucking. Mm. I like that about her. <laughs> um, <clears throat> well, here's to uh, Frozen 3, probably close on the horizon. I mean, we did get a regime change at Disney. Um, so who knows what that what the future holds? I, I mean, I like Bob Iger personally. Like he, uh, I read his book, you know, the was called Ride of a Lifetime. And he seems to have a good sense of the creative aspect of showbiz. Um, and, and I mean, my kind of totemic manual to showbiz is the book by Ed Catmull um, called um, Creativity Inc. Um, so it's all about overcoming the, the hidden forces uh, that get in the way of true inspiration when making art within a you know corporate uh context so it, it really does lay out a lot of the secrets to pixar's success and, and their consistency in um, just delivering very you know well-crafted and inspired films um just hit after hit since its inception i know it just they just keep coming out with bangers, honestly. Mm-hmm. When I think like, you know, obviously them like Disney owning Pixar, mm-hmm. obviously like what's the best thing, like one of the best things they did, honestly, because some of those movies are just great. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. And it was thanks to Bob Iger that Pixar didn't just totally divorce from Disney because uh, they were about to. <laughs> and then Iger <laughs> Uh, uh, it was kind of interesting how their, his meeting with um, Steve Jobs went when he was trying to woo Pixar back into the Disney fold. And Steve Jobs had all these reasons why uh, Disney would be terrible for Pixar. And uh, <laughs> I, like chief among them, like he had just big, bold and underlined, uh, Disney will kill 
Pixar's creative culture, <laughs> they will stifle it. I know it's sort of like something from the show Succession I don't know, on HBO. Did you watch Succession? <laughs> I have mm-hmm. like the the hostile takeover of that one tech company. Yeah, is that like the opening sequence from that show? But like, yeah, they bought they acquire this up and upstart you know tech company, and they just they just sack everyone. They just yeah. wipe it out, and it's like Steve Jobs is saying, "Yeah, this is." watch disney do this once they buy pixar um, i mean it's basically, no. it's basically like twitter like what happened with twitter <laughs> yeah exactly twitter got taken over and they were like get out all of you oh. out <laughs> but no um but steve and, and Iger was able to convince steve jobs that disney would maintain the integrity of pixar and he did like he you know they continued to create hit after hit and not only that but they spread a lot of their magic to Disney they, they he brought in Ed Catmull and John Laster to Disney to uh spearhead their um sort of reinvention into the new um era of computer animation that we have today and so that saw the release I mean first off Laster wanted to restart the whole you know kickstart a, a new era of 2D animation with Princess and the Frog and uh, Winnie the Pooh. I mean, that kind of fizzled out, unfortunately, but um, yeah, it could come back. Um, and of course, Laster's no, you know, he's had his issues. Um, so we're now in sort of a limbo period, you know, with, with the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> well, and that's kind of what I saw. I was like, they had had more things in the pipeline of animated movies. And then when they changed, they were like, no, more live action. And so I'm interested to see like what gets changed back or if they do things differently because I was like I don't know I like animated movies I think that they have like an like a certain like magic to them that you don't often get with um like live action movies Uh, so I'll be really interested to see like where that goes now that it's changed hands again they they feel less corporate and just noted to death um a lot of times like the animated movies they you know ed catmull and creativity inc insists on a director driven ethos at pixar and, and then later uh, walt disney animation studios where you know all the corporate studio notes are in the end um optional they're not obligatory for the a director or a group of um, sort of directors, producers in charge of the animated production to follow as they had been under Eisner and Katzenberg. Um, anytime Katzenberg or Eisner had a note on an animated film, it had to be um, implemented. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, no, and that kind of like it's, and I get it. Like I've worked in corporate companies before and like, I get like they want to please investors. They want to make money. But like when you're stifling creativity, it shows in the work. It does. And it's like, and if you're not a creative, then you're, you don't know what's going to make this movie pop. The mm-hmm. people who are creating it do. And like, you know, sometimes I sh- I'm sure they have something that's helped, but it's just like, yeah, like do, being like that, it just stifles your creativity. And you can tell in Pixar stuff, mm-hmm. at least like, you know, their most recent films, like everything has so much soul to it. You can tell that they like, we felt what we were putting into this movie. And so it, it's nice to see that they like, didn't, they don't have to like follow them. their, mm-hmm. I guess, instructions or suggestions. Yeah. yeah they, they've done a pretty good job of maintaining that. I mean, Lightyear wasn't a successful film, um, but 
you know, it, um, it, I, what, what else did we have? Well, oh, we've got that elemental film coming next year. Did they change the title on that? Um, no, or, I think it's elemental. The yeah. There's that one, um, tagline it's, uh, opposites react is it, I, I thought when I briefly glimpsed the trailer, uh, when I went to see Strange World, and I remember seeing opposites react up on the screen, but that might have just been a tagline that they were showing and not the actual title. Um, we also had Turning Red, which yeah, was which like was, very, yeah, was, very specific, I yeah. feel like, in their message or what, like, yeah. what they were trying to portray, um, which I really, honestly, I've liked, I, I mean, I really like Lightyear too. Um, I thought they were all good. I'm trying to think of like what ones came out before that. I guess Luca, Soul, Onward, Toy Story 4, The Incredibles. Yeah, Luca and Soul seemed very um, deliberate in their, you know, artistic intent. Um, And, you know, you don't always have to have such a, you know, burning artistic uh, intention to your film for it to be good or successful. Um, like something like Raya felt more of like just, you know, the solid action movie that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. And, and was that uh, Pixar? That was, was Disney animation. Disney. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, and okay, I didn't think Encanto. Yeah. Was, mm-hmm. was probably more like came from the voice of a specific, you know, creative group, you know, there's Lin-Manuel Miranda and then the directors mm-hmm. of that film. Um, and then you have Coco as well, which was Pixar, mm-hmm. which I love. I love very, Coco. Very personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see how Elemental does if it doesn't feel uh, or if it feels fresh, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that it's going to be like, you know, something new and different, even though it did very much when I saw it coming out, it did very much give me the inside out vibes, which I'm like, I know that they're not in a brain, but they are like elements. They have like their specific thing that they are. Mm. So I'm like, I'll be interested to see if they, if it's different, I'm just interested. Yeah. Like making I mean, assumptions. <laughs> yeah, it's fun to see those, these ideas just kind of, they're almost you know, crazy off the wall concepts that, you know, seem very um, <laughs> difficult to conceptualize, but somehow Pixar manages to pull it off. Um, yeah. That strange world. I, I don't know. That was a little bit more of a pastiche of like 1930s serials and, didn't have a lot of, they weren't that interested in going into the lore and the backstory as much with that. And there's kind of a lot of just kind of hand waving that they do to move things along. So I, I'll be, um, you know, excited to just kind of dig into maybe some of the reasons why that movie didn't have the level of impact that, you know, uh, obviously frozen for me, you know, I mean, even frozen too, I think just wasn't quite as resonant a film but perhaps that's owing to sort of the um almost obligatory nature of that sequel and they didn't necessarily yeah. have a, i mean they even identify in a making of documentary that like we, we did not know where we were going to take you know frozen 2 until about a year before the film came out so you know that that movie did have a bit of a trouble development um i haven't watched the making of for that one yet so i'll uh, i'll i'll have to watch it because i was like interested on like where they were going with it because mm-hmm. i've seen like the scene that they had made where Kristoff is proposing 
Mm. in that song. I wish they would have put that in the movie because it was so cute, but they didn't. And I was like, boo. Um, but yeah, because it did kind of feel like one of those movies, like there is enough story and stuff here that it stands alone on itself, but it kind of feels like it's setting up for something else. And now that they've announced there's going to be a Frozen 3, I'm like, I was right. <laughs> well, they were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does seem very natural. There would be, if, I, I didn't, I don't recall hearing an official confirmation, but has that happened? Did someone say? I want to say yes. I want to, because yeah. I want to say that it was like rumored. It was kind of the same thing with Inside Out 2. Okay. And then I want to say they have come out and said that they are going to do a third one. But yeah, Inside Out did get the D23 announcement. Um, I think you mentioned like Shrek 5 last episode had a slate for May, but I, I don't think that's going to, you know, it hasn't officially been announced. I don't think Shrek five it, it's. Yeah. Incredible. I don't think it'd come out next year anyway. Yeah. If it is going to come out. Um, Cause it's been one of those things that they've based on what I've read, they've talked about doing it time and time again, and then they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they have the Puss in Boots movie coming out. Mm-hmm. So they might like push it another year if they are going to even do it. But based on what I've seen, it's kind of like similar animation to what, yeah. Puss in Boots is, and I don't know if I would love that. I could, just give me the old Shrek. Yeah. Stop changing it. <laughs> Shrek 5, 2024. Uh, yeah. It is crazy to hear, like, the movies that are announced for 2024 released already, and uh, released already, but, like, um, you know, 2025, they're probably still, uh, they're, they're probably already, you know, films slated for for that far out as well. i well, I mean, look at Avatar. <laughs> yeah, Avatar. Just, Avatar uh, is already like, we got 10 sequels. Here are the years they're coming out. <laughs> Which I didn't even realize. Oh, so I was going to say this about Strange World. I think a big problem with, I guess, maybe the reception is that I absolutely heard nothing. Absolutely nothing about it. I think if I was not doing this podcast, mm-hmm. I wouldn't heard anything. About it. I didn't see trailers. I didn't see anything about it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Not even on Disney Plus. So I'm like... Mm-hmm. You guys really need to like, I don't step up your game because like, I feel like my kids might have like Scarlett might've wanted to watch that movie. I don't know. I I know that it's like kind of about like taking care of the environment. There's what I've yeah. gathered. So and there's like a family thing. The, the lack of promotion. I mean, it's hard to discuss that without getting into some of the controversial yeah. elements of mm-hmm. the film. I feel like that probably played a factor in their decision to, promoted or not um yeah like i feel like they should have really promoted it if they wanted it to do better yeah it's just because i heard like tons about lightyear yeah and then nothing about strange world yeah you know it's it's the unfortunately you know brushing up against the puritanical strain of culture i mean whatever people have their opinions um, and, you know, you know, the reason why you can't release Strange World in China or, you know, the Middle East and other various other places. I mean, it, oh, it's, I, do, it's very... I do know what you're referencing. Well, I, you... I, I have heard things about it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it's very overt in in a strange world in a way, I would say, um, you know, unprecedented up to this point in any other Disney movie. Um, so. I, you know, I can see people being uncomfortable. I haven't explicitly heard of people like walking out of the film, but maybe that's just because so few people have gone that accounts yeah. of that happening, you know, just. Um, I will 
Yeah, I'll be interested to see feedback once it comes out on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. I can almost promise you there's going to be a few uh, opinions on Facebook that I see once it does. Yeah. Because, so. <laughs> yeah, teenage culture, you know, the John Hughes sort of, oh, I have, uh, you know, this crush on this girl. You know, it's it's all of that, except in, in this scenario, it's, you know, a dude having a crush on another dude. And I think there's you know a lot of people who are just like, eh. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> some he, people, some people aren't ready to accept things yet. Yeah. So. I mean, even I found that just weird because it's, I've never seen that before in a movie like that, you know, a PG yeah. family, you know? So like, I have to watch it again just to try to get past that, you know, and, and uh, just take in the movie for what it is. Um, well, so. I, I think that's kind of what happened with Lightyear too, because like, yeah. I mean, I heard about Lightyear. I know Buzz Lightyear. I grew up with Toy Story. But like most of what I heard about Buzz Lightyear had nothing to do with any of the other movie or Buzz Lightyear. It was the captain and her wife. And, and it, thing, it has, like, yeah, very little. It was bearing. so little. Yeah. yeah, it was such a small moment that was blown out of proportion, in my opinion. Um, but I do, I do like, I do like that they are adding at least little by little in different movies and maybe, maybe not all of them that they are adding this though, because there are kids who grow up and they're like, I am a boy who has a crush on a boy. So I'm like, like, I feel like to us growing up in a society where it's like, "Mm, no, we don't talk about those things. I think it, I don't, obviously I don't know in what extent they go into it, but I do think it's interesting to kind of like show it because there are kids who will feel like that. Um, yeah, it's it's important to you know acknowledge these things, but they, I I don't know if the audience will ever really like, just just in terms of like, I don't really relate to that character as much as I would a similar character who has a crush on a girl personally. I nothing against this character, is but my ability to like empathize with this feeling of oh we're having a cry like i'm being taken back to my teenage years and you know and and of course i could train myself to you know empathize with that feeling you know with for anyone you know so, so to speak but it just it takes a little adjustment and um i just think you know overall they should probably stick to the the regular formula <laughs> at least for now and just yeah just not really. Well, I think it's one of those like things that you have to kind of trickle in until it's more normal because it was kind of like the same thing with turning red. Cause I actually saw like a lot of reviews, especially by men who did not connect with the movie, but it makes sense. Cause it's not really about boys. Not really. It's kind of like, you know, coming of age as a woman and becoming yeah. a lady. <laughs> I, I have no, uh, yeah, I have really no trouble empathizing with like female characters and their struggles and stories. It's very true. Whereas I, I do think there's a contingent of reviewers online who do kind of, you know, male reviewers who kind of feel like a lack of ability to connect with female protagonists in a way. And yeah. Really that's, I just don't feel that separation whatsoever. Yeah. And it could, I mean, it, you know, it's just people, with different personalities raised different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, everyone, they take in everything differently. But yeah, I did see a lot of reviews by guys who were like, I didn't really connect. I didn't really get the movie. And I'm like, being a girl who was a teenager in that time frame, I'm like, everything like hit me. I was like, oh yeah. NSYNC, boy bands, Tamagotchis, 
all of it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Being awkward and weird and your friends being weird and doing weird stuff. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, it's especially kind of interesting because 20 years ago, it was mainstream to be very, um, you know, discriminatory towards, you know, uh, the, the LGBT community. Um, in, in openly in mainstream film. So now, yeah, it's just, it's this 180 degree turn um, that is uh, just, you know, in, in, the, in the scheme of the human anthropological timeline, that's, that's a very short amount of time to see that kind of change. So yeah, we'll just, uh, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you're going to be inclusive, dang it. <laughs> and you're going to like it. <laughs> I don't know, you know, the people calling that, you know, the Jerry Falwells of the world, you know, it's the harbinger for the end times. Um, oh, yes. I mean, I, I don't know, the wussification of society, will that lead to China coming in or Russia, in, you know, Red Dawn style coming in and taking over because they perceive us as like non-threatening because we're so pacified. Oh, gosh, no. Well, no. And that it, well, it's so funny because like you see that and they're like, oh, it's, it's going to be like this. And so you have like the opposite spectrum, too. They're like, oh, we have to be manly men. We have guns. And I'm like. Y'all are going two opposite directions. I, mean, I, I, <laughs> I think need it's, y'all to meet in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to have both, but yeah, I don't like the idea of the the diversion only, you know, going to the ultimate extreme. You know, it, I like yeah. to have a little bit of a gradient somewhere between. Yeah. You know, we just need some well balanced people, you guys. <laughs> uh, I mean, I I like gun. I enjoy you know shooting a gun once in a while it's you know there's a story of uh sigourney weaver on the set of aliens and you know she was very much a a pacifist kind of anti-gun person and she you know james cameron gave her uh like i think a mounted machine gun for her to just you know blast into a field and afterwards (laughs) she was like that's fun <laughs> yeah i mean i like i don't like the sound of them i don't know i'm I'm like a weird anxious person but they are they are fun to shoot sometimes yeah i, I have mean, done that a few times <laughs> you know, I, yeah it's like anything it can become an addiction you know i just watched an interesting you know youtube video on the the gambling e- economy in the u.s and uh, and sports betting things like that just things that hey my dad my dad just draft kings and everyone does fantasy (laughs) so i mean it's a thing i mean that's the thing it's like you can do all these things and it can be fun but it doesn't have to become like an addiction no it doesn't have to be so extreme yeah well hey my mantra let it go (laughs) oh to bring it back to enchanted because i meant to say this earlier and i forgot the animation in comparison to the first one, I agree with you. It was not as <laughs> good, in my opinion. I did like the movie. I did really like it. I was a big fan. But I was like, the animation does not feel the same to me. Mm-hmm. It felt different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know. Was it the same people? Oh, gosh. Are they different? I'm sure probably a bunch of people working you know, from home, essentially, on their tablets um i mean i follow at least one artist who worked on uh the film and, and he's uh 
um, one of the Bancroft brothers, I, I brought up their podcast on, on the show here, and he did some work for Disenchanted. Um, and I mean, he, he's a, a mainstay of the classic, um, you know, Renaissance era of Disney. Um, I, I can't remember if it was Tony or Tom, but one of them directed, well, I think it was Tony who, who was a co-director on um, Mulan. And then they both done a lot of like um, store uh, art. Um, what, what do you call that? Lead animating on various characters throughout their run. Uh, but they're no longer full time at Disney. But they do get hired out to do various things like this or like Space Jam, for example. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's it's just a similar vibe to that. And it's like when you get all these artists you know coming in from remote locations doing all kinds of different we're using all kinds of different methods you know it's just not going to be as cohesive as it probably was in 2007 when they had like a full-on branch at disney that was able to suit up and and you know do the um the hand-drawn animation work for that film yeah that's what i was trying to see like who uh, it looks like Canadian animation studio Tonic DNA was okay. working on the animation for the sequel. Uh, moving Picture Company provided the visual effects. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was like similar fun. enough, <laughs> but it wasn't the exact same. Like, and that's why I was like, the movie felt like it was in the same. Like, I didn't feel like, um, I guess, what is the word? Um, I don't feel like the quality dropped. Like it did, it seemed like the same movie. It's the same world. Okay. But when they did the animation, I was like, something is not the same. <laughs> something it's, is not the same here. It's a bit different. And it's not so yeah. different that I'm like, oh, this is clearly different people. But it, it does feel like they looked at the old movie and they were like, I can do that. I can do that. And they did their own. <laughs> you know, all the non-theatrical Disney animated sequels are of, sort of varying quality you can see differences some of them are a lot more you know tv level animation and some there's a couple that are almost indistinguishable from like the feature level animation uh, i'm thinking of like lilo and stitch 2 there were a couple lilo and stitch sequels but there was like a full-on there was a show there, there was a show there was a an initial sequel that was like a pilot for the show but then there was a sequel after that i think it's just called like lilo and stitch 2 stitch has a glitch um mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken stitches you know he's he's got this crazy virus or something that's affecting him and um i i, I thought that was actually good but it wasn't like a theatrical release or anything and i, I had a hard time noticing a difference between that animation and the actual film it probably just had a lot fewer like visual effects and you know set pieces like the flight through the uh city with the spaceship or whatever i, I don't know there's a whole thing with that first movie of like they had to change a bunch of stuff because it showed uh a, sh a spaceship that looked similar to like a, a 747 flying through a, a cityscape <laughs> and it was you know, oh yeah um, yeah, I do remember that. They were yeah. like, okay, you got to change this. It, yeah. I think they did the same thing with Spider-Man, one of the Spider-Man movies. Sure. They had to change a scene. Um, which, yeah, so I looked it up. Um, because So 
Chris Saunders, who did Stitch, he was Stitch in the second movie, but they had, I think it's Davy Chase for the first movie. Okay. The second oh. movie, they had Dakota Fanning as Lilo. Okay. I was like, weird. Why? Um, <laughs> yeah, I might as well pull this up. Lilo and Stitch 2, Stitch has a glitch from 2005. Um, yeah, I thought that had surprising level of animation quality uh, for being a, a direct-to-video uh, sequel. Um, oh, but, Davey Chase apparently was also in Spirited Away. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, um, I've heard that said as Davey Chase. Davey? Is it Davey? Uh, I wasn't sure because like usually that E-I-G-H is like E, like Lee. Like Lee, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's why I was like, I think it's Davy, based on how it's spelled, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm trying to remember from various uh, things I've consumed over the years, behind the scenes material. But uh, anyway, yeah, Chris Sanders reprised the role of Stitch uh, as, as the voice. Um, yeah, he didn't direct Lilo and Stitch too. Um, all right, well, I, I'll let you go and this has been a bit of a, a little bonus uh discussion on the thoughtcast i didn't want to get into all the stuff and of course you know i don't know did, hopefully i didn't get too you know off the rails with like you know, going into strange world stuff and we'll get into some more of that uh you know once we actually get to the strange world episode but i i kind of wanted to vent a little bit about the whole you know just myriad of issues surrounding that film's um plight at the box office so i don't know yeah it, it hasn't okay. done well <laughs> yeah yeah but I, honestly i don't know anyone that's seen it like okay. with kids anyway like i know some people who've seen it but not anyone that like took their kids to see it or anything like that so it'll be interesting it'll be interesting to watch yeah yeah well <laughs> it'll uh, it'll always exist you know there's plenty of similar cases where uh, films from the the main you know Walt Disney animated you know feature animation uh, studio you have struggled and another example of like a fantasy adventure film you know uh, being Treasure Planet which I love uh, but that yeah Treasure Planet is great mm -hmm, did I did the box office. yeah mm -hmm. um, I mean honestly I did I don't think I saw it in the theater so 20 year anniversary this year so we gotta i don't we haven't done an episode on treasure planet so we got to do that too i feel yeah just in time um yeah the uh just i guess the strange world being kind of in is you know similar like jules burn aesthetic uh of course treasure planet and treasure island you know written by robert lewis so similar era of literature um but anyways we'll uh we'll wrap it up for now any any final thoughts for the disenchanted episode bridget um i loved it it was really cute all right and the music was good but uh not the same as the first one so we have opposite opinions on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's i mean it, it wasn't a masterpiece by any stretch but uh it was it, uh, great i mean look with the christmas season people's standards are you know at the floor already people you know you put on the hallmark channel lifetime films just to 
for some comfort viewing. I mean, if you're going to do that, then you might as well put on distant, you know, disenchanted is going to feel like friggin' it's just a box in- office. <laughs> yeah. Box office blowout. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, get, give it a watch. Um, it's pretty fun. And, uh, we'll see you next time on the Thoughtcast, probably post Christmas. Um, so, um, I don't know any, uh, social media Bridget you want to share? Uh, sure. You can find me on Instagram at Bridget five, two, four, six. That's bridge with a T five, two, four, six. All right. Thank you so much. I've been Philip, uh, Philip Elke. You can find me at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram, uh, at Thodcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you know, find Thodcast, Thodcast.com and various streaming services. And yeah, I'm, not trying to be, uh, you know, any kind of a gadfly, you know, poking any uh, cultural landmines or anything like that with, with uh, what we do here. It's just, just all for fun. But sometimes, like, you know, I, w- I want to kind of be a bit, um, uh, what's, what's the word, um, forensic uh, about my analysis of why certain things happen the way they do. And, and uh, unfortunately, that can brush up against some you know cultural fault lines and i'm i'm just i'm not trying to you know sway people really (laughs) one way or another uh if you don't want to be swayed you know hey um i i can't tell you you know the kids are all right you're gonna do what you're gonna do so (laughs) yeah you uh, you do you boo (laughs) i'll do you um but thank you so much for listening to the thodcast conversations about animation And, uh, you know, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, We'll see you next time. Have a magical day. Wonderful week. Warm hugs.